And uh, like we say, uh, we try to give you a little bit more here. I've only got 60, what is it, Bean, 66 pages of notes. Okay, I only got 66 pages, and I was led of the Spirit to write five more handwritten pages before tonight, so I think that'll be enough. Uh, you say, why do you say that? I'm always worried that it won't be enough. Um, but Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, and that thing starts off, uh, Paul says, let no man deceive you by any means. That's a mouthful. Let no man deceive you by any means. And uh, Brother Jared, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching tonight? Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means. And what's going on here is uh, some people there in Thessalonica were deceived thinking that the rapture had already took place. And they were thinking they were landlocked on the ground. Now think about it. If you're a new Christian and you love the Lord and you've been witnessing, you've been witnessing to family, you've been witnessing to friends, right, without Jesus Christ, and some jaybird comes along and teaches you that you've already gone, the rapture's already took place, it'd be a tough thing. And you and I, we benefit from having the entire Word of God right in our lap. Amen. But uh, these, uh, these new Christians, they couldn't go, well, take your Bible and go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6. They had to take the word of the preacher and the, scra- uh, the scraps and what manuscripts they had. And a lot of what they had was Old Testament writings. So you and I, we, uh, we have a lot, don't we? Amen. And... Uh, uh, one fellow said this, uh, easy times make weak people, but tough times make tough people. And I think uh, I'm thankful that I have a book, but I think sometimes I've had it easy. I have. I haven't had it like... Christians around the world have. I mean, I know you can't tell, but I ain't missed a meal unless I planned on it. <laughs> you have to laugh so hard, sis. <laughs> right? And he says, let no man deceive you by any means. What Paul's fitting to do, he's fixing to uh, help you understand there's some things you can be deceived by. And one thing's going to trip you up as a Christian when you don't get that Bible right. You're not growing up like you should, and that's probably not the right way to say it. Grammar Nazis, help yourself. But if you're not where you should be, God has a specific place, and he needs you to be right now. And I believe, first of all, you're here. So I'm not getting after you. I'm trying to help you. But there's a place you need to be. Amen. And when you're not where you should be, that's when the trouble sets in. But let me give you some of these things. Uh, it says, let no man deceive you by any means. And Jesus said something to the same effect in Matthew 24, 4. Turn me down just a touch, Chuck. I'm, I'm sounding like I'm yelling in a trash can here. And so we'll be on the road there, uh, driving a big truck, Brother Jim. And you hear that guy come across the CB. And, 
It sounds like you, I said, I said, I said, Breaker 1-9, you yelling in a trash can or what? <laughs> they called me Pillsbury back then, but at any rate. <laughs> but they, they put them big old amps on that thing and just blast you right across airways. But uh, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 24, 4, not that I was hollering in a trash can, but he said concerning the last days he, when he said, uh, take heed that no men deceive you. All right, and guess what? Here we are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and people are deceiving the Thessalonians about the rapture already taking place. And all you got to do, and I'm not suggesting it, all you got to do is listen to some jaybird on the Internet or Facebook or YouTube's notorious for all these uh, goofballs, and they'll take one verse out of context, and they'll have you going through the tribulation. That's all it takes, one verse. Usually the verse they lead with dispels who they are. And you take one verse out of context and you're running the whole thing right off the rails. But I want to give you here uh, uh, just a, a few things that deceive the Christian here in the last days. Take your Bible, go to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter, there's some things that's going to deceive the Christian in the last days if he's not careful. And I'm just going to give you a couple. This is kind of topical here. But the first one I see is in Romans 16, uh, verses 17 and 18. You know what's going to deceive you in the last days? Good words and fair speeches. Good words and fair speeches. Good words and fair speeches, Romans chapter 16. Now, when I get done with this little piece, and some, some of you may like it, you may not, but I'm, I'm really not here to try to gauge the atmosphere of how well it's liked, but I want to give you the truth. I want to give you the whole truth, and I think if you're of age, spiritually, I think you can handle it. And if you're not, well, we'll pray for you that you grow up and uh, move forward for Jesus Christ. Look at 16, 17, and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them, right? Not play patty cake with them, not go to dinner with them, but avoid them. Now look at 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, what? deceive the hearts of the simple. You know what's going to deceive Christians in the last days? Good words and fair speeches. Can I, can I try to take you back in time about 100 years? I'll keep your Wi-Fi. <laughs> but can I take you? <laughs> you know, 100 years ago, I wasn't around, but let's just say, let's go 46 years ago. I was still just born. People were more vigilant. They were more leery than they are today. People were more critical. And I know people don't like that word, but you as a Christian need to be critical in your thinking, not in your speech, but in your thinking. And uh, the, what's going on today in the modern church is you got a bunch of good words and fair speech. A guy gets behind a pulpit and tells me good things. I'm going, this guy's a little bit light in his loafers here. I expect a preacher to get up and tell me straight. I expect if I'm sitting in that pew right there, I expect a preacher to get up and tell me exactly what I don't have the guts to tell myself. And I mean it. And uh, that, thing, that thing happens. And it says they deceive what? Hearts. You see that? It deceives the hearts. Why? The heart is, see that thing? It's cyclical. If you want to be deceived, God will let you be deceived. And that's the warning of Scripture. And it says to deceive the hearts of the simple. You say, well, what does it mean to be simple? Uh, weak in intellect. 
Bible intellect. Let me ask you this. you know your Bible tonight? I'm not just talking about a third-level Christian education, but do you know your Bible? If someone had to, uh, needed to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, could you sit down with them and lead them through, let's say, the Romans Road, the Isaiah Road, Revelation? I don't know. Could you show them in Acts chapter 8, uh, that old uh, Ethiopian eunuch, trust in Jesus Christ before he gets baptized? Can you do that? Well, Bible says that uh, good, words, good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. What's it deceiving? Christians in the last days, it's, it's, it's not a bunch of plain talking preachers. It's a bunch of people that get up and just are real nice and sweet to you. That's what it is. I'm trying to get you to think for a second. I'm trying to, cha- I'm trying to get you to be critical in your thinking. You need to stop thinking that when someone is nice, and kind, and polite, and has the right diction on every syllable, that they're telling you the truth. You've seen enough of that uh, garbage on TV, that ain't how it goes. And I'm not saying that when you speak, you have to be perverse, you don't have to be cruel, or ignorant, but you ought to be plain spoken, amen? You ought to let your yay be yay, and your nay be nay. If you know someone for at least a couple of months, you ought to be able to have that conversation and say, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, or where will you spend eternity? And if you get having a conversation, you ought to be able to have the guts to say, I'll tell you what, if you die without Jesus Christ, I hate to say it, but you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. Did you know that? If you have three minutes, I can show you how to get out of hell free. See what I mean? But good words and fair speeches in the last day are deceiving Christians. Not the lost, they're already deceived. All right? <clears throat> so that, that word simple, that's uh, weak in intellect, silly. Webster's 1828 says silly. Germs 2022, stupid. I know you don't like it, but they said silly in Webster's. I just say you're stupid. All right, now look at this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15, the Bible says, The simple believeth every word. Well, don't that sound like some Christians? You realize why some people will not return to this church and insist on going to another church? Because they want to believe everything they hear, and they can't do it here. <laughs> I've had people say, well, if you were, if you were uh, one, one gal said, well, you uh, said, you say amen too much. I said, I said, amen, I'm the preacher. That's supposed to be your job to say amen, not mine. <laughs> I said, how in the world could I be guilty of saying amen? Or one, per, one fellow said, well, your church is too loud. Well, y'all were like ice this morning. I'm like, you weren't loud at all. I mean, you should have come this morning. <laughs> but he said, the simple believeth every word, but the prudent looketh well to his going. Well, let me give you number two. Not only good words and fair speeches. You know what deceives a Christian in these last days? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First, just, just some things I'm sure you already know. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And in these last days, uh, you're going to be deceived. You're going to be tempted to be deceived about end time stuff. End time stuff. And uh, every time, you know, it seems like twice a year, a certain group of people, it's, you know, it's like Jesus on prophecy or whatever you call it, Jesus on crack or something like that. And uh, come listen to our prophecy seminar. And I'm telling you what, we got the best thing on prophecy baloney. You don't either. He's just looking to deceive people. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 18. 
I'll show you what deceives a Christian in the last days. How about yourself? <laughs> Didn't see that one, did you? You yourself can deceive yourself. You say, why? You got a heart, don't you? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You know, one of the hardest things about being deceived is realizing that you did it to yourself. You thought you was really moving in the right direction, and you weren't. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit allows you to see that thing, and you're like, I'm such a moron. I know y'all aren't, but I am. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, look what the Bible says. Let no man deceive himself. <laughs> if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become... Oh. So the way to wisdom is foolishness with mankind, isn't it? That's a paradox. You want to be wise in this world? Then you better become a fool for Jesus Christ. So you need, to, you, need to consider, you need to remember that when folks get to thinking that you're stupid and peculiar and odd because you witness. When people think you're stupid and peculiar and odd because you talk about Jesus Christ at the workplace, you know what they are? And they're, If they're Christians, they're deceived. See that? They did it to themselves. You know, I had one uh, uh, employer uh, uh, tell me, and I was, I was locked and loaded for bear. That was my problem back in the day, man. I was ready for you to say anything. Wife said I should have been a, a, you know, a lawyer or something. But, anyways, he said, you know, Jeremy says, you can't bring your religion to work here. You have to leave it home. I said, you might leave your religion at home like you do there on that that Baptist church over there across town. I said, but Jesus Christ is inside me, and wherever I go, He goes with me. He bought did. <laughs> I learned to. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> let no man deceive himself. So next time someone calls you a, a stupid or peculiar odd for witnessing or talking about Jesus Christ, that man's deceived if he's a Christian. Now look, you don't take the boss's time, and you don't take all that stuff, and you don't take his time so you can push forth your agenda, but can you do it on your lunch break? Can you have a conversation on your own time? They let Field and Stream in the building. They let Sports Illustrated. Well, then they should let Gospel Tracks. To have any kind of reading material in that building at all, guess what? By law, they have to allow Gospel Tracks. And if they say you can't, well, I'll give you a number to call later. But the deceived man, he's the one getting foolish. And you can do it to yourself. Why? The way to be wise is to become a fool for Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. Now, I understand this is not how you're going to make friends. All right? But look at verse 10. 1 Corinthians 4, 10. Too many Christians worried about being popular. Too many Christians worried about, you know, getting a leg up in life. Look at this verse 10. We are fools for Christ's sake. Now, look, at it. it doesn't say we're fools because we broke the law. That's not what he said. Uh, if you go pass out tracks on the street and the police officer asks you to leave, I believe you, you ought to get out of there. Live to fight another day. Amen? Get out. Why? He's the law. Well, I have my first... Well, take it to court then. But get out of there and don't, don't disobey authority. So that's where I differ with some of these guys. If the police officer tells you to leave, yes, sir, and get out. And then you take your case and you deal with it legally. Why? Because you got the church name there and you got your name. And you go ahead and make a scene, guess what? Both names are mud. 
But at 1 Corinthians 4.10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. So here's the question. Whose fool are you? Are you a fool for Jesus Christ? Are you just a fool for the company you work for? Something to think about. <laughs> well, what's going to deceive Christians in these last days? How about this one? You got good words and fair speeches. You got yourself. You can do it. I'll look over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Just listen. There's plenty of things out there that can deceive mankind, but the child of God should never be deceived. If you're saved, you got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth. So where you step off and you step into error and you step into doctrine that is not right and where you do things where the Bible contradicts it, guess what? You aren't led by the Spirit of God. You are led by either your own spirit or an unholy spirit. And you can deceive yourself if you're not careful. Ephesians 4.14 Now I know why these old preachers used to say I'm my own worst enemy. Why? Because many times I am. I probably could live a pretty good Christian life if it wasn't for me. <laughs> 414, the Bible says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every word of doctrine by the slight of men. There they are. And cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. All right, here's number four. You've got a religious man in the, in the passage, and he's lying in wait to deceive. You know what's going to derail you? What's going to uh, deceive you? A bunch of religious people hooking up with the wrong people, listening to the wrong guy, having your favorite teacher on YouTube. Um, let me caution you. I, I understand I, uh, I give you some suggested things, but I don't think people take uh, People probably take my suggestions like they take my car preference. My car preference lately is anything that hits a deer, I guess. But you got to be careful what you listen to. Why? Because there's people out there as religious men waiting to take you for a ride. Not only that, but you know what the devil knows? The devil knows if you're one of those spiritual babes, stay with me now, and if you're that spiritual babe that's just looking for something just, just new and brand new and shiny, He's going to send that sucker along your way, and you're going to believe every word. Now, in 14, you've got a religious man in the passage. He's lying in wait. He's lying in wait to deceive. November 15th, all these men went out there with millions of rounds and lied in wait for Bambi. Bam! You get the picture now? They're out there. They're looking for you. Oh, here comes another. Oh, there's a Baptist. <laughs> got him. You know, calls a you know nine one one. I th I think I think my friend's dead. I think he's dead. Operator goes, "Will you make sure he's dead?" Yeah, hang on. <laughs> he's dead now. That's what we do with our own, by the way. That's funny, even if you don't laugh. Lying and to wait to deceive. Guess who they're lying and wait to deceive in the passage? Spiritual children. You see the urge to grow. Christian, like I tried to preach last week. Not sure what kind of job I did on the thing. But if you're not growing, you're stuck in a rut. And if you get stuck in a rut, someone is going to lie, thank you, ruin. Lie and wait to deceive you. Why? They've been watching the path you've been trodden. 
and they're going to lie in wait because they know you're coming across the same path. You never vary. You never vary. Why? You're stuck in a rut. There he is. Gotcha. And lying in wait to deceive spiritual children. That's You say, what are spiritual children? Christians that are ungrounded. Christians that are unfaithful. And what they do is they lie in wait. Uh, they deceive you. And then according to that verse in Ephesians chapter 4, you're going to get carried off with some strange doctrine. Something strange. What do you mean, something strange? I don't know. I heard something the other day about a 10-year tribulation. And I'm sure if any of them guys are out there trolling, I doubt they even think about us. I, th I doubt they even think about But if they're listening to me, they're going, yeah, you're stupid. You don't know. Yeah, you're right. I am stupid. I believe the way it all is. It's, it's three and a half years. Or the blood moons, like we said this morning. See, some strange thing, you know. Or some, they found some golden brick, the, and they're going to start building. I'm not looking for a temple that's going to be rebuilt. I'm looking for Jesus Christ to get me out of here. Well, what about the red heifer? I like beef. Where's the fatted calf, man? <laughs> but uh, what they do is they deceive spiritual children. That's Christians that are ungrounded. Christians that are unfaithful. You see, your eyes have got to be on Jesus Christ. If your eyes are on Jesus Christ, you will grow at the pace God intended for you to be. But if you get your eyes down here, uh, kind of like uh, horizontal here, and you get your eyes on things of this world and things that everything else is more important than Jesus Christ, then you can't grow. And what they do is they lie in wait, they deceive you, and then they carry you. You run off with uh, your teacher there, uh, you know, him and, you know, 24 followers, <laughs> you know, 10-year tribulation and how whatever whatever some strange doctrines going around, you need to understand that's what's going to deceive. That's what's going to carry uh, Christians off. I better catch up with a column here on the board. Well, we said uh, number one is good words and fair speeches. The second thing that deceives Christians in these last days is you <laughs> yourself. And uh, this is number three, right? And these are. Uh, uh, this would be uh, religious men. Religious men that lie in wait. I used to hear, uh, I used to hear old preachers talk about uh, the, best, uh, the best Jehovah Witnesses in the world were backslidden Baptists. I said, what a terrible thing to say. And so I started talking to some of them Jehovah Witnesses. Guess what? They're a bunch of spiritual children in Baptist churches, what they were. And the, the Baptist churches, listen now, the Baptist churches that they're going to, they weren't teaching them anything. So here comes brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. Why don't you come back and let's talk to you about the kingdom. And, you know, oh, we've got a great hall here, you know. And let's come have a meeting with us. And Oh, that was such a deep, rich Bible study. This is a tremendous amount of literature. And, and I tell you, next thing you know, they jump ship, man. They're saved, but they're deceived. Why? Some religious man was lying in wait. You've seen it before. Someone will get saved, and they go to some church, and they don't get grounded, and they don't get in the Word, and they don't grow as they should. And next thing you know, they'll run into some Mormon somewhere, some Jehovah Witness somewhere. They'll run into some, some odd duck that's got you know three people attending a house church. What is that? Religious men lying in wait. All right, let me give you number four. Are we doing all right tonight? Yeah, okay. Ephesians 5. I'll give you number five. Now the fifth, uh, four. Man, 
and a soup sandwich. Let's see, what flavor? Who knows? It'd be vain words. Vain words. Someone said, Preacher, you act like you got it all together. Man, you'd be in my house, you'll know better. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, verse 3 to 6. Look at it with me now. 5, 3 to 6, the Bible says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness. Notice doesn't it sound like Paul is just being hard on him, being just telling him what you can't do as a Christian. You heard these little spoiled, rotten brats that come through Christian schools. My parents never let me have any fun. Well, please define fun for me, would you? Oh, your parents kept you from sin? Good job, Mom and Dad. They probably should have been harder on you. Probably should have tanned your hind end more. Amen. All I know of this, growing up, I got less than I deserved. And uh, for neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Now here it is, for this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You know them vain words? They're by vain men and women that will tell you, you know, how you live, it don't really matter. It, it doesn't really matter how you live. Don't you worry about, don't you listen to all that preaching that says you can't go out and do what you want. You have liberty in Jesus what they're saying is you can go ahead and live like a dog. And it won't It will matter. Maybe not in eternity, but it will matter in eternity about what condition you're in. Your rewards. And what you have is you've got vain words coming from vain men and women given by individuals that are telling you can live however you want and it won't matter in eternity. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. Look at... Uh, 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 look at uh, verse number uh, 7. What's the Bible say? Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Pretty clear, isn't it? Well, Paul, you just don't want us to have any fun. No, he, want, he wants you to stay clean. He wants you to stay out of sin. We've got to start preaching that again. I know it seems like I'm just hammering it today, but it, it's on, man. The gloves are off. <laughs> We got to start preaching about sin, moms and dads. We got to start preaching about sin. We got to let our kids know: quit your sin and quit your fooling around. We're not going to be we're not going to smile at sin, and that goes for parents and grandparents and all the rest. You got to quit your sinning. It matters in eternity. Look at eleven. Not only do you not partakers with them, but you don't have fellowship with them. How about twelve? You don't talk about it. Amen. I mean, that, I mean, if it's wrong, why would you cut up over it? Well, you know, <laughs> really? Paul says in 12, he says, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. And some of you guys like telling, you know, queer jokes? Quit it, man. It's wrong. You say, but you said, we'll talk about that later. It's wrong. Is that what the Bible says? For it is a shame even to speak of those things. So when you got jokes about sin, guess what? They're wrong. He said it's a shame. Well, you're awful narrow-minded. I didn't write the book. I'm just preaching it. It is a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. 
talk about these wicked people doing wicked Christians doing wicked things in their lives. You see that? All right. In 12, you don't talk about it. But how about this? Verse 14, you know what you got to do? You got to wake up spiritually. You know, I talked about this morning. As we get closer to going home, we know the darkest hour is just before the dawn, right? And we know Jesus Christ comes back at the fourth hour of the night, which is the morning, the fourth watch. Then came the morning, right? Here comes Jesus Christ walking on the water, Matthew chapter 14. Here he comes, so we know this. Right before Jesus Christ comes back, it is the darkest it'll be, right? And the best time to sleep is about five in the morning. Yeah, right? There's something about the barometric pressure and how that thing works. I'm mad. I mean, you go woke up about four o'clock in the morning, you're just, you're just punch drunk is what you are. I mean, if you want the best sleep of your life, get up about four, eat like a three-course breakfast, and go back to sleep till 11. I'm telling you, you'll wake up, you'll think you slept a week. Amen? Now, you couldn't do that because some of y'all are so wired, and you know. But uh, you got to wake up spiritually. That's verse 14. If you wake up spiritually, the Bible says Christ shall give thee light. You know why there's no light in a lot of the lives of the Christian? They don't want to wake up. They'd rather sleep. Why? Vain words. It don't matter how you live. It don't matter how you conduct yourself as a Christian. It don't matter your testimony with the brethren. It don't matter, you know. It doesn't matter what the, uh, what, what the local church does. It doesn't matter if we go or not. Vain words. Look at 15. Once you wake up, verse 15, then you got to watch how you step. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly, that's uh, to draw a circle around you. That's, that's, you're looking everywhere around you. Well, what I do is my business. Really? You need to, be, you need to put yourself on a swivel. That's what we say when we teach them how to drive a, a CDL. Your head needs to be on a swivel. You need to look from mirror to mirror, side to side. And Paul says you've got to walk circumspectly. You've got to be looking all around you. Why? You've got to keep your testimony in check. You've got to watch where you step. I told you this before, I sold ice cream on ice cream route in Bay County. I tell you, we go into some of these places, all these cows are in there. They're milking the cows, getting their order. Yep. Be about 10 below zero. Get back in the truck. Five minutes later, oh, I stepped in it. You got to watch where you step as a Christian. You see what I mean? Some of you Christians step in stuff every single day and you don't even realize it. Why? You're sleeping. You got to look all, you got, you got to put your head on a swivel. <laughs> all right, verse 16, after you start watching where you walk, then you got to redeem the time, right? You got to start buying it back. Now, if some of you were, you were honest with yourself, you lived the first uh, number of years for yourself, didn't you? And the time you start living for the Lord, didn't he buy you back? All right, why don't you buy the time back if he bought you back? Salvation's absolutely free, Amen. It didn't cost you and me a dime, but it's going to cost you everything to serve him the way you should. Why don't you just go ahead and say, you know what? That's right. I'm going to start doing it today. Start buying it back. All right, then verse 17. Once you start redeeming the time, if I'm reading my Bible right, if I'm reading it right, and I might not, but if I'm reading it right, once I start buying back the time, I'll have a better understanding what the will of God is. You see that? You see, the will of God is always found on the road to duty. You don't go, I wonder what the will of God is. 
for my life. I know I should be at the evening service, but, you know, I just wonder what God's will is for my life tonight. I wonder what it is. <sighs> Redeem the time. Buy it back. People don't like sarcasm. That's a good way to put it, though. You do what you know is right to do. You know it's right to pray. You know it's right to read your Bible. Okay, so you do it. You know it's right to forsake not the assembling yourselves together as the manner of some is. All right, you take care of that. You take care of that between you and the Lord, not you and me. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just the mouthpiece. Amen? You take care of that. You whatever that looks like, right? We offer four flavors. They're all the same. <laughs> you, you, you settle that between you and the Lord. You start redeeming that time and doing what you know is right, and you'll have a better understanding, verse 17, of what the will of the Lord is. There it is. But if you're not careful, you let people, vain words, deceive you. Let me give you number five here. And uh, here, here's a dangerous one. Take your Bible, go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. You know what deceives Christians in these last days? It's a bad one. Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. I'll tell you what, self-righteousness is a killer. Self-righteousness makes you think you're better than you really are. And if it were for the grace of God, we'd all be in hell with our back broke right now. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, 1 John 1, 8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and we must be a Baptist. No, and the truth is not in us. You see that? Self-righteousness. I'm a pretty good old boy, you know. You know, Don't ask mama, you know. She's a little bit moody every now and then, but you know what I mean. I'm a pretty good old boy. You know, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's self-righteousness. You start walking with the Lord. You start learning some things about the Bible. Next thing you know, you well, you know, they were spiritual. I was, they do it like I do it. Really? I hope, they I hope you all don't do it the way that I did it sometimes. Well, I did it sometimes. It's a mess. But that verse says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth. Well, preacher, I would never say that I don't sin. Yeah, but you act like it. You act like it. You get around somebody. And you... Yeah, I remember, when I, I, I remember when I was uh, your age, you know, spiritually. You know, and you think you're so superior spiritually to somebody else that you can't treat them right. Or maybe you treat them fine. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. But you know what you're doing? You're talking to everybody else about somebody else. Why don't you just keep your mouth shut? Why don't you do what Mama said? If you ain't got nothing nice, don't say anything at all. You know what your problem is? Self-righteous. You know what you call that? That's fig leaf theology. That's Adam and Eve in the garden. All of a sudden, whoa, you ain't got no clothes on. Well, let's put something together real quick. You know, Lord's coming. <laughs> Toga, toga. <laughs> and they're like, what up with the fig leaves, Adam? Like, yeah, you know, Levi's. But self-righteousness, that attitude of self-righteousness, it deceives ourselves. And uh, remember, remember that, uh, was that kid's story called The Emperor's New Clothes? Remember that? And all I remember, all I remember as a kid, thank you, thank you, yeah. All I remember as a kid is uh, the, the artist 
had enough decency to make that emperor so fat you couldn't see things you shouldn't see, amen? That's all I can remember, right? Oh, he's pretty fat. Covering it up, amen. But you know what that is? That's thinking you're more spiritual than you are. Take your Bible, go to Revelation. You know where I'm going with this. You know, some Christians are, they're fat and naked. Revelation 3, they are. In the last church age, a bunch of naked Christians. 3.14. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write these things, saith, Amen, the faithful and true witness, beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of thy mouth, because thou sayest I'm rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that you negative daily. Thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and there it is, naked. You know what? Self-righteousness. You think you got more than you, you think you're smarter than you really are. I remember watching this fellow get a promotion at the ice cream company I worked for, and he was, he was okay, he'd been there a while, and all of a sudden he was just, he was walking different, he was talking different, and I said, Carl, Carl, look at this, what is his problem? He goes, huh. well, Jeremy, he actually believed what they said about him. <laughs> Why? He thought he knew more than he did. You say, what was he? He was an idiot. I mean, he'd been there, he did the job, he probably was next in line, but all of a sudden they said, oh, you're so smart, and he believed every word of it. He got awful self-righteous about the thing. And as a Christian, let me tell you what, First John chapter 1, verse 8, you better be careful about that self-righteousness, that thing will deceive you. You'll think that because you never did what brother so-and-so did, that's your pretty good old soul. God hates that stuff. And you're thinking, well, my kid didn't do what your kid do, well, praise the Lord. What does that mean? I'll tell you, you want to know why you don't sin more than you already do? Because God limits the opportunity for you. You better get that straight. Because if God allowed the opportunity, you and I would sin a whole lot more. Over there in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, he said, because sentence is not executed speedily against an evil work, therefore the heart of man is fully set on them to do evil. And face it, if it was in your face 24-7, you would sin more. So I'm just saying, things, a Christian, you've got to be careful for that attitude of self-righteousness. Sometimes you need a preacher just to come in and be crude and rude and knock your veneer right off you. Why? Because you think you're better than you are. What did Paul say? But for the grace of God, there go I. He said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I mean, if there's a bunch of tribes, I'm the chief of the sinners. That's what he said. And uh, you've got to remember one thing tonight. You ready? You're a sinner and you sin. I know you don't like it. I don't like it either. And you need to confess it daily. Can I show you just a couple places? Do, uh, Daniel chapter 9. I'll show you a couple places. You need to confess your sin. And all this hyper-dispensationalism garbage can just go right back to the pits of hell where it came from. I want you to see in Daniel chapter 9, you've got a man in the Old Testament confessing his sins daily. And if you don't think you sin daily, boy, are you deceived. That's why some of you, uh, some of you had to quit, uh, some of you don't have to confess as much sin because you quit watching the news, amen. 
All right. <clears throat> Daniel 9.20. Look what Daniel's doing. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. Well, how about that? Old Daniel was an interceder just like Moses on just a little bit lesser of a scale. So there's Daniel. He's confessing his sin. Go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 5. I understand the setting. I understand Daniel was in the Old Testament setting. And in Mark chapter 1, they're in an Old Testament setting. But I'm saying, look, we just got out of Revelation chapter 3. You know what he told you in verse 16? Repent. Quit your meanness. Start confessing your sin. Mark chapter 1, verse 5. Here's John the Baptist down there at the Jordan River. John chapter 1, verse 5. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. That's the nation of Israel, and that's, where, that's purification going on. And no, you're not going to come and confess your sins to me, because I'd probably tell somebody else, and then you'd get mad at me. And that's why you don't go confess your sins to a man. Ever. That's why if you ever do business with the Lord down here at this altar, we're never going to insist on anyone coming and dealing with you unless you want it. Because that thing can go sideways in a heartbeat. I know good godly men dealt with men that were my friends uh, at a different location. And this fellow in a moment of weakness, in a moment of guilt, confessed all of his sins of the last however many years. And that good godly separated jerk went and told the entire community, why? Self-righteousness. Well, I tell you what, boy, you you'll believe what I heard. Mark chapter 1, verse 5. Now look at John, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. You see, I'm tying them together. Only way you and I are going to avoid self-righteousness is to realize that you and I sin every single day. Well, look, we don't have to be in bondage to that sin. We're not. If you're saved, you're no longer under bondage. If you're saved, you sin because you choose to sin. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, what's the context? All right, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard and declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. You know why you confess your sins? You can have good fellowship with Jesus Christ. Because if you don't confess your sins, you're going to sit there and say, well, I, I'm not bad. And you're going to get all self-righteous on yourself. And John says, he's the apostle that was the closest to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you deceive yourself. You deceive yourself. You need to confess it daily. Look at Romans chapter 7. Not only does, uh, I'll give you these two in closing here. But not only does uh, self-righteousness deceive you, but you know it also will deceive you. It's a hook, line, and sinker with that self-righteousness. Romans chapter uh, 7. If I said Revelation, I'm sorry. That's what my notes said. But it's Romans. Romans chapter 7, verse 11. That's Acts. That won't work either. <laughs> I told you, soup sandwich. <laughs> I like chicken noodle. All right. 7 <clears throat> 11. For sin, all right, you grammarians, what is the uh, subject? Sin. Taking occasion by the commandment, deceive me, and by it, 
Okay. So what deceived you? Sin did. You know what sin tells you once you start doing it? You'll be all right. A little bit won't hurt you. Sin will tell you this. You can handle it. Sin ever tell you that before? Uh, sin will tell you this. It's really not as bad as you're making it out to be. You know what sin will say? Settle down, would you? You're making a really big deal out of this thing. And Paul here says, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Not only will it deceive you, but it will kill you. you. Everybody here probably knows someone had a problem with some substance or some addiction and they thought they could handle it. Next thing you know, that thing had them stranglehold and they're in rehab and they can't kick the rehab and finally it takes them out, man. Everybody knows somebody. Why? Sin! It'll deceive you. All right, last but not least, 1 Corinthians 15. Now there must be something to this whole being deceived in the last days. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. I know it's more topical than we normally run, but I think it's important that you see these things if they still apply. It's not just end times. Now look, the big thing is to push you into uh, these days is to get you to try to think that you're going through the tribulation, which you ain't, if you're saved. Now if you're not saved, you're going to go through it or you're going to die in it. And then you ain't getting out. I don't care what Tim LaHaye says. All right, now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. The Bible says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt what? Now that's a little bit more than just being polite too. You say, what is that saying? You know, it'll deceive you? Wrong company. Wrong company will deceive you. If you don't get rid of the people that God don't want you to be around, it'll mess you up. The Bible says in Proverbs, was it chapter 14, verse 10, a company of fools shall, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now look at this. Now I want you to see where this thing ties in. Look at verse 34. You know what he's talking about? It knows the tie-in with witnessing here. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So, you know what? The, the wrong company deceives you and it keeps you from opening your mouth about Jesus Christ. You see that? There's the real danger. Not only will it mess you up and get you all dirty and cluttered up and into things and out of church, but then it keeps your mouth shut for Jesus Christ. What? Wrong company deceives you. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And that's the wrong company. So there's just, there's just uh, seven things. Seven things that can deceive the Christian in these last days. There's more. But uh, I guess since we're Bible believers, you've you got to do seven. You know what I mean? Uh, what was after self-righteousness? Sin? Sin. Sin itself. And then, of course, number seven, wrong company. Wrong company. Evil communications corrupt good manners. I'm thankful as a... a I'm going to be 47, right? Okay. All right. I always got to check with her because I can't remember my name half time. I'm thankful that when I was growing up, my parents had enough sense not to let me pal around with certain people that were bad. You know what I mean? Now, we're all bad. I get that. But the old man said, you're not going over there. You're not going over to Coldro. You're not doing it. After a certain friend of mine got in trouble. I said, why, Dad? Don't you ask me why you're not going. <laughs> and now I know why. That fellow ended up in prison and ended up dead. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And you know, it's not just the kids, not just the boys, not just the girls. 
Let me tell you what, the devil would look like nothing better than to take some coworker that you work with, some contractor, however that thing works, and just shimmy up next to you, and next thing you know, uh, well, you're, you know, you know, you're going bow hunting on the weekend. You see what I mean? And you won't witness for Jesus Christ because you're letting him run the conversation, and he's playing his music, he's drinking his beer, and you know, you just want to be a nice guy, but you just, you just shot your testimony is what happened, and next thing you know, uh, as Ernie Harwell would say, you're out for excessive window shopping. And then I get this uh, well-meaning person say, uh, Pastor, where's brother and sister so-and-so? And I'm like, sis, I, I don't know. I'm the preacher. I know you think I know everything, but I'm always the last one to know anything. I said, I figure maybe y'all might know where they're at. But that's what happens. What? Evil communication Corrupts good manners as company. Well, there's the exhortation tonight. It's, uh, the Bible says that the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. I hope this helps you this week. And I hope you're a little bit more critical in your thinking about this world. Because this world is not your friend and is not your home. Why don't you stand?